Hey everybody, welcome back to Grey Malkin Lane, the podcast where queer friends and allies gather to review and discuss the original X-Men comics from the 1960s. Now, once a month we break format on the on the podcast and uh, put a character on trial in a special maxi episode. Today we're going to do something slightly more nerdy. Uh, I've done some really nerdy things on this podcast, today is one of them, but we're going to review the history of Cerebro, not Connor Goldsmith's amazing podcast, which is named for it, but uh, the machine that is used to track mutants. Uh, I am thrilled to be joined here by some of my friends. Uh, God, this is a good looking group. I'm just looking at all our cameras. We're all so pretty. <laughs> uh, I'm thrilled to have, uh, to have some uh, lovely friends. Jinx. <laughs> I'm going to let each of you introduce yourselves, actually. Uh, I'll just call on you one at a time. And uh, as you're introducing yourself, let us know your gender pronouns, where people might know you from. Uh, and then uh, what would your significant other or your most recent romantic partner say your real world mutant power is? So this isn't like a, like, I wish I could fly, but like, what, what's your actual special skill? And would it qualify you for the X-Men? Would Professor X recruit you? Uh, let's begin with, uh, with Mr. Josh Trujillo. Hi, Josh. Hi. Uh, yeah, I'm Josh Trujillo. He, him. Uh, I'm a comic book writer. I do Hulkling and Wiccan. Uh, lettered by the amazing Ariana here. And uh, also I'm doing Blue Beetle for DC Comics in uh, November. So look forward to that. So excited. And uh, what's your real world mutant power? I have the driest of wits. (laughs) Would uh, would Xavier recruit you for your dry wit? Uh, I don't think he could tell if I was being serious or not. (laughs) I think he should recruit you. I'm ready. Uh, let's go over to uh, Noelle Reed next. Hi, Noelle. Hi, I'm Noelle. Uh, she, her, I host the X-Men Unraveled podcast. And I was I had to really think about what a possible mutant power would be. And I actually came up with, it would be a very weak, nonspecific, and unuseful precognition. Because I will weirdly have a dream about something, and the next day, it will happen. Uh, would Xavier recruit you for this skill? Uh, maybe pre-Krakoa? Um, <laughs> I don't know where post-Krakoa leaves me, but I think if like, you know, it could actually become useful, I, th- yeah, I think were, it would be worth recruiting me. They were pretty anti-precog for a while there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, let's go over to uh, Kevin Gatslinski next. Hi, Kevin. Hello. <laughs> oh, okay. So other than being like a really bad time waster, I suppose uh, just having a really incessant amount of energy all the time and being very friendly. <laughs> along with along with the powers of sexy. You know, I'm trying. <laughs> Evan, where might people know you from? Oh, uh, well, other than the cosplay or modeling, or if you know the theater that's local um you can uh find me podcasting at words of the witches with charmed or mm-hmm. my new podcast which is x-men going over the animated series solving for x so always running around <laughs> i have not listened to your charm podcast but solving for x is delightful you're uh you're oh, really thank you to listen to. <laughs> uh, and then let's go over to michelle waffle hi michelle hi uh, well i'm i'm michelle waffle just like the breakfast food and my pronouns are she her I think my mutant power, I feel like it's real. Like, I feel like I do have one. I have a little bit of a, like a long shot domino, like luck power. 
I tend to have things like work out very conveniently for me. I have one ridiculous amount of like giveaways and contests. <laughs> so I think having like luck powers in real life uh, is what my noon power would be. And Xavier might recruit me because I mean, long shots like not really around and Domino is really busy with X-Force. So I think Krakoa could use a little luck on their side. <laughs> Because they keep getting attacked by death machines. Yes. yes. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. Uh, and uh, last but not least, I'm thrilled to welcome back Ariana Mayer. Hi, Ariana. Hi, Ariana. How are you? Hi, I'm good. I'm good. Uh, I'm Ariana Mar. I'm a letterer for Marvel Comics, and I also do freelance for DC Comics and Dark Horse, um, and a couple other indie projects. I. Um, my mutant power, I asked my spouse to see, and uh, according to him, it's uh, empathy. And I wouldn't be recorded by, uh, recruited by Professor Xavier because I'd always call him out on his shit. So <laughs> I'd probably end up with, like, the original Hellions and just fight empaths by, you know, tormenting him with human feelings until he gave me his uh, code name. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. Uh, my name is Chad Anderson. I use he, him. Uh uh, my mutant power is uh, also empathy. I'm a therapist in my real life. And this is a problem in my day-to-day -day life away from my job where I can sense that somebody's sad and then I check on them and I'm like, are you okay? And then I end up like listening to them talk about their problems for way too long. And then they come to me always with their problems and it becomes an issue. So I literally have a sign on the wall in my living room that says, I'm not your therapist, like indicating to guests that come over, like, let's talk about normal things and not about your, <laughs> your traumas. Either that or you put up a rate on the boards of like how much for each, how many minutes. Yeah. yeah. I'm like, you can't afford me. And I have a cocktail in my hand, so this is not going to work. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I am thrilled to have all of you joining me here. Thank you for the gift of your time. I know we tend to plan these things pretty far ahead and I'm pretty comprehensive. So I hope none of this felt overwhelming to anyone, uh, especially if you're stepping into one of our longer format episodes. Uh, I tend to type a lot of my notes in advance and then assign specific sections. And it's always fun. Uh, Noel's been with me for these before, but uh, thank you all for the rest of you joining us on a longer format uh, for the first time. So I have this uh, nerdy list of like, topics that I could cover on this podcast that I think are fascinating. We could talk about the history of the Xavier Mansion or the grounds. We could talk about different people's families. And I'm getting some of that out on the Patreon. For example, we recently did a Patreon episode on Iceman's parents, which was fun. <laughs> and I'm getting to do all of these like nerdy handbooky research forays across Marvel history. Uh, but today we're going to cover the history of Cerebro, which is the computer used to detect mutants it has been around for close to 60 years now and has uh, gone through a vast number of changes. It has appeared literally hundreds of times. It's often just kind of in the background, right? It's the thing that beeps whenever there's some sort of threat that they need to face or they carry a little handheld unit when they're trying to track someone down. But it has kind of a fascinating history. So we're just going to talk about it today. Uh, for all of you here, this is kind of open format. If you have anything you'd like to share at uh, any time, please feel free to interject. We're just here to kind of have fun and uh, nerd out together. So I'm thrilled to uh, to have 
this room full of good looking nerds hanging out with me this afternoon. So thanks everybody. Um, let's jump in with just kind of talking about Cerebra for a minute. The, the X-Men have always been an allegory for the queer experience in America or anyone who's disenfranchised, uh, re-examined based on the time period it's in. 60s to 80s to 2022 are all very different times, but there's a similar theme that stretches across. The concepts have been reintroduced and adapted dozens of times over the decades, tweaking the original themes and reintroducing them under a more modern lens uh, in per perpetuity. Uh, the Krakoan age is the mutant nation, and there was the utopian age before that, and the Genosian one before that as examples. But largely they've been based at this school in uh, Westchester, Westchester County, New York, which is the home for mutants. People are constantly attacking them for who they are, threatened by their status. And we could talk about this for so long, the themes of the closet, the legacy virus, the cures for uh, mutantity, et cetera. Um, but uh, we see that theme played out over and over. Uh, today, we're gonna talk about Cerebro though. I'm gonna lean hard into this LGBT or queer allegory for just a moment. Uh, imagine the world is unsafe for LGBTQ people. That is literally our history. Uh, and some people with billions of dollars make a private school where they want to make a home for uh, queer kids to keep them safe, uh, helping them use their fabulousness for good so that they can peacefully coexist in a world with humans. And then this rich guy builds a computer and he calls it Gaydaro and he can track down queerness anywhere on the planet so that his students uh, can help those who want to be helped uh, or hunt them down if they are evil. Uh, tell me a little bit about that allegory, because the, there's a the, one of the initial questions we're going to talk about with Cerebro is the removal of will. This is a computer that tracks you whether you want to be tracked or not. And some people are probably pleased to have the assistance or exposure, others perhaps not so much. Uh, tell me a little bit about your thoughts about uh, the ethics of Cerebro, if you will, as we're beginning. I feel like you need to sign like an opt-in waiver or something yeah, right. to even allow that. I don't, I don't think anybody, like everybody necessarily wants to be tracked. Some people want to be left alone and hidden and off grid. Uh, so I don't, I don't know. You have to like download the Cerebro app on your phone and yeah. agree yeah. to the terms and conditions before you can be tracked down. You change like your mind, unsubscribe, you know. App. And when you're done being <laughs> tracked, you're like, I'm just going to uninstall. <laughs> yeah. yeah the creation makes sense because of how intrusive Professor X can be at times. He's not someone who really knows boundaries. And since he started off with teaching, you know, people who have yet to become adults, like he can say and do is like, okay, you have to follow, follow my rules under my house. But now that he's no longer um, that, and now that Cerebro's evolved so much in the storylines, it does become a question of like, can mutants like write into Krakoa and be like, please stop tracking me. I don't, don't want any of this. <laughs> uh, Josh, what were you going to say? Oh, no, I feel like, you know, there's like, Grinder is kind of the closest thing I could even compare it to Cerebro, but Grinder is very much an op-in situation. Um, it, the like invasion of privacy for me for Cerebro has always kind of irked me a little bit, but in just in like reading the House of X, Powers of X, which is like kind of my assignment for this ep episode, it like gets even worse. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like you think the ethical boundaries of Cerebro are bad. Like, don't worry. The Cocoan Age makes it even more complicated and messy. Yeah, We're yeah. copying your brain without telling you. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Was Cerebro made in like the image of Professor X? Because that would make a lot of sense with like the boundary issues, you know? Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, yeah. We're going to talk about uh, the changes that the machine has gone through. Again, over the ages, it's gone through vast changes, and that's what we'll kind of cover today. But I do think the ethics behind it is really interesting. And then there's kind of the subtext that's never quite stated on the page, that Professor, Professor X tends to only recruit the pretty mutants or the ones with the best powers, and the rest have to get absorbed by the Morlocks. <laughs> oh, <laughs> so <laughs> rude. It's like, to me, my X-Men, I know what's best for you better than you do, you know? Like, <laughs> he wants more specifically for, like, combat situations and stuff, because, like, you see Doug Ramsey, and he's being trained in New Mutants, and all you can think is, like, this seems like the wrong place for this kid ability. And sure enough, he's, like, dead for a long period of time, and when he does come back, he's not going to be there as a fighter. Yeah. But he Gonna, he's like got such an important mutant ability, something that I always wanted because I used to study foreign language in college. And I'm like, man, if I had Doug Ramsey's ability, I could like I could ace all these tests easily. Yeah, I suppose the counter argument to all this is all of the millions of mutants have been who have been killed against their will. Uh, that's an interesting thing too, but the bad guys can also track you. Uh, <laughs> kind of an interesting thought. Uh, yeah. So let's, uh, oh, go ahead. No, I was just thinking it's like, um, God, Somnus is a new character that was introduced recently. He's in Marauders now. And his original story, um, he had lived his whole life um, in the closet, both as a gay man and as a mutant. But since his mutant ability is to um, share dreams with people and like basically live out an entire lifetime with that person in that dream, and they, as a result, he can like gain all kinds of sort of knowledge and abilities from like living this life with this person, experiencing what they experience. Um, like he could he could master like physics if he like spends a night with a physics professor and they spend 30 years together until they die of old age. So like he lived several lives in the course of his whenever it was daytime, he was just the uncle of the family that looked after everyone oh he never settled down or got married he was just there for the family until he passed away never knowing that he's gay or that he's a mutant and then he gets revived in krakoa young and hearty and and he loves it and all i could think is like that's great but like there's no point from when he passes away to like him entering krakoa that he gets a say and I was just thinking, it's like, what if he's like, I've lived too many lives. I don't, I, I never chose this and I just want to pass. It's like, do you get that option? Do you come out of the egg and just be like, wait, I never asked for any of this. Can I be erased? This is a, this is a <laughs> weird place to take this. And I apologize. I grew up Mormon and I am no longer affiliated. But Mormons, Mormons do a thing in, in their temples called baptisms for the dead, where they like <laughs> baptize everyone who's ever died. The idea being you can't get into heaven unless you've been baptized. And I remember being asked, like, what if you don't want to go to heaven? I'm like, well, then maybe you, after you go to heaven, you can opt out if you want to. <laughs> it was like a weird, there's like a weird parallel with Krakoan resurrections that it's just dawning on me now. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It struck me when I uh, was lettering the first Solomonist story. And I'm like, no, this is a legitimate scenario that could happen and then it's like but what happens like i know it's evolving now now there's like a waiting room or something that you can even get souls who were not copied by cerebro mm -hmm. and that's wild too but like maybe there's a stage early on like 
I'm assuming there's a stage early on in the five process where they do connect with the mind in cerebrum being like, do you accept this or not? Yeah. Yeah. It's an interesting thing. Yeah. I would hope so. I would hope some kind of consent is because otherwise it's a bit bit nightmare fuel. (laughs) Click yes. If you agree to be tracked by Grindr from now on. (laughs) For the rest of your life and every life thereafter. So, uh, so let's jump into uh, some of the research for today. In X-Men number seven, in the fall of 64, Professor X debuted his special mutant tracking machine, a complex ESP device called Cerebro, which was based on the Latin word for brains, cerebrum. Uh, there was an earlier type uh, prototype shown in a backup story later called Cyberno. Uh, Cerebro back then was a mass of wires composed and, and wired into different pieces of che- uh, technology. It served a few functions in the 60s. It would scream really loud, obnoxious beeps whenever the threats would get close. The juggernaut issue is a, uh, his first appearance is a great example of that. It kind of acted as a Rolodex of sorts that would track known mutant threats. Professor X would literally have like Vanisher, Toad, Magneto, and he'd like push a button to see where they were kind of or, uh, or try to track, track <laughs> people down. Uh, it would enhance the skills and capabilities of Professor X at times, which uh, when he connected to the machine, and then it would also track new mutants or other threats within a specific uh, geographic area, sometimes even projecting images in radar against the wall. Uh, so you kind of see this machine being used consistently, but also inconsistently throughout the 60s. It's destroyed multiple times across continuity, including in one of Juggernaut's earliest appearances. Uh, we later learn that Xavier first conceived of Cerebro after he had his first confrontation with the Shadow King. Uh, he built it. It was later calibrated, adapted, and updated by the Beast uh, multiple times uh, in one wing of his massive mansion. Cerebro could, uh, as as the continuity went on, it could be used to plant thoughts or post-hypnotic suggestions in people's minds. There's literally uh, one story where some thieves break in and they put Cerebro like earphones on them and then they leave the mansion like, who were we? What were we doing here? Like Cerebro (laughs) plants these post-hypnotic thoughts into their mind. Uh, It also will act as a as like a little Geiger counter. They create little mini Cerebros and you're walking around like looking for gold. And when it beeps at you, you know you have found the mutant, uh, which ideally would help uh, uh, the X-Men reduce their time randomly watering, wandering cities. Like there's supposed to be a mutant here somewhere, which was so often uh, happening in the 60s. A few years later, after Claremont took over, there's a story where Kitty Pride, who is a young teen and just a fucking whiz with computers, uh, alters Cerebro that so that non-telepaths can use it for basic functions. And that's pretty fucking amazing. So you, you love Kitty right away, of course. <laughs> uh, tell me some of your thoughts on uh, the introduction of Cerebro so far. Anything that stands out or confuses or surprises you? <laughs> Well, the controlling people. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That I mean, that sounds like a Professor X, like what is it, prerogative kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, very X much reflects what he wants and what he he just does whenever he wants to. Yeah. He has his own code of ethics, and Noel joined me for a trial of him at one time. <laughs> we, <laughs> we were not pleased with a lot of his actions. <laughs> not at all. It's very um, what is it? Pa- the Patriot Act, like the NSA is spying on phones. Like that's kind of, as you're cuddling over that, that's what it kind of makes me think of. And just with also the element of control added. So you're not only being watched, you're not only being tracked, you're, you can also be influenced by this thing, which is terrifying and just very Xavier. 
What uh, what role does Cerebro play up to this point as even just a plot device? Like, uh, why is it necessary in the stories? Probably because it's only twenty pages. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's like the perfect plot generator, right? Because it's like beep beep beep. Oh, there's a new mutant to find. You know what I mean? Uh oh, someone's stealing Cerebro. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there's so many different ways to do it, and I guess that's why we're discussing it today, right? There's it's it's a threat, but also has been threatened so many times. If you guys have seen uh, the show Angel, uh, uh, the character uh, the Charisma Carpenter plays has that like precognitive like, oh no, there's a demon attacking a woman at the bank. Go get them. Uh, like, and it serves as that same type of plot device. It drives them into the action. It makes it easier for things to take place. Shortens the time. It's like, how do we get the X-Men and Spider-Man to cross over? Oh, wait one panel of cerebro <laughs> <laughs> ding 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 oh yeah the episode you were on uh on yeah Ray walking with us had that <laughs> I, didn't say I, I was surprised by cerebro because my entire impression of cerebro like what it can do what it looks like is all from the animated series yeah in the uh in the art that we post to announce this issue we'll show cerebro's first appearance it's just uh it's just like a bunch of wires running across the room uh with some tech tech you know it's it's very kirby of course but uh it's, it's not like those little card things that you'd have to feed into the computer like back <laughs> in the 60s <laughs> like a floppy Floppy disk? No, way before floppy. Oh. Yeah, yeah, we're they talking about those uh, card readers, the punch cards that you had to like, oh. and put into the machine. My dad would tell me about those things because he was a nerd. <laughs> like 1960s when the computer would take up the whole break room, right? Like, exactly. Yeah. And it, did, it had as much computing powder, like less than a calculator. <laughs> I, uh, I love that you said computing powder. Now I want some. <laughs> <laughs> That's also what the nerd snorted in. So there you go. Uh, so uh, we're going to go to a weird place for just a second because I think it's worth the discussion. Uh, Colin Bunn, who's coming on my podcast soon, I'm super excited. Uh, Colin Bunn in Magneto Volume 3, Number 15, uh, told a story about Magneto and Xavier in their early days. So it's, a, it's an early flashback. Magneto visits Xavier, who has just recruited Cyclops, and uh, he's expressing concern about the existence of Cerebro. So just to read this section quickly, Xavier says, you know about the device, but how? Magneto says, I've been watching you, Charles. I have my methods. And the technology you're developing, the ability to locate mutants anywhere in the world is unsafe. Something like that could easily be turned against our people. And if I was able to find out about it, you can rest assured that others know as well. In that same issue, this, which takes place, obviously, in the present, not the past, uh, we see S.H.I.E.L.D. using that same type of technology uh, in order to track mutants, which has also been uploaded into Sentinels, and the governments also have like collars that can block your powers. So if they can track you and they can block you, your only choice is to fight free or you end up in jail or a concentration camp or used as some sort of weapon. Uh, tell me your thoughts about this brief, it's like a couple pages, but this interaction between Xavier and Magneto that, uh, that Cohen gave us. I feel like it shows that Xavier thinks that he's not just the smartest one in the room, but the smartest one on the entire planet. <laughs> and yet there's like this clear, like he doesn't think of how things can be used against him because Cerebro is, is a double-edged sword. It can do things that are helpful for mutants, but it also opens doors to hurt mutants. And he just, I don't know, it seems like he doesn't ever factor that into his considerations. As we will see today, Cerebro at one point literally becomes a double-edged sword. <laughs> If Cerebro is so powerful where it can alter people's like perception or thoughts, don't you think it could 
perhaps like erase its existence? Like if, if S.H.I.E.L.D. discovered it, wouldn't Cerebro know like, oh, I've been discovered by, you know, S.H.I.E.L.D. I'm going to erase their like their hard drive or whatever so they don't know that I exist. That's an interesting thing. Uh, I think that would require sentience, but uh, if it's a program, it could be copied and replicated and uploaded and we wouldn't know necessarily. Uh, but that is an interesting thought, uh, putting in some sort of failsafe to uh, Iron Man style to make it not happen in other places. Can you imagine if there was like a Cerebro leak and like Anonymous got like all the Cerebro piles and just like uploaded it onto like a server or whatever. And it's like, oh, you can check out all the mutants right here. That's terrifying. That just is like, certainly sensitive data. Yeah. Yeah. Like the nightmare of social security and um, how much of it got leaked with like the credit card thing a couple of years ago. It's like, oh, okay. There's very little privacy there. But then even more so with mutant powers and memories. So and this, is, this is kind of another example of Xavier looking at the greater good being uh, higher than the risk that could take place with it. I mean, Magneto's yeah. giving a direct yeah. warning. And Magneto's the guy that's about to go take over a country. Yeah. <laughs> oh, the identity fraud. <laughs> because he's like, well, I'm the one using it. So it's not dangerous because I'm the one who has it. So it's fine. It's an interesting thing. Uh, any thoughts from you, Josh? Oh gosh, no, I, th I feel like that kind of covers it. Like a Cerebro kind of just scares me in general. You know, I can remember like in the animated series, it's pretty neutral. It's a neutral good maybe, but like Cerebro is like chaotic evil, right? It's like, it, there's the potential for harm is so incredibly great. I think it outweighs uh, any good. I know this isn't a trial episode, but I think Cerebro is guilty. Yeah. <laughs> and just to kind of reiterate what Josh is saying. I think it was in the X-Men movie, like the second one. Mm -hmm. The Rebro was in fact used to target not not mutants, but humans by Magneto so that he could like do harm to them. So mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. And with that kind of power, like, I mean, I I remember like with the era of Don't Ask, Don't Tell and stuff, like if they had the power to identify do the queer metaphor like queer people and be like okay then we can just easily ban you from all of these areas you can't join the military you can't do all of these things but if it was mutant powers it would be the opposite they'd be like oh you you can turn things on fire you're in the military now whether you like it or not like this is like one of the most terrifying weapons ever invented and uh you don't realize it as a kid because if you're watching something like the animated series uh, Cerebro is just, it's a, it's a tool. It doesn't have AI. It's used by usually one or two people, either Gene or Professor X. And it's often, um, like used either as a simple tool to help you get to point A to point B, or it reverberates against them and you have Professor X scream and pass out because he, he, he stretched Cerebro's abilities too far. Like it, it had limitations and it felt safer. And we will so talk about we will talk about the the potential of Cerebro being used as a weapon today, which it sometimes is. Uh, we I think most people are familiar with Cerebro in one of two forms. In the cartoon, it was set up as like that bank of computers with the helmet that Professor X or Gene or whoever Emma you know puts on, and uh, they use it to track someone to see where they are. And how many scenes in the in the animated series? Ooh, Michelle, you could do this for us uh, if you want. You're Jean Grey, 
you put the helmet on and you're you're trying to find Scott and you realize he's in danger and it's, and now the machine is overloading your brain and you have to cry out and then call for Scott and as you faint. I'm like, oh, Scott, oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the other form of Cerebro most people are familiar with is from the original movies where it was that giant circular room covered in white paneling with the, the, the like little ramp that went out into the middle. Uh, and and the comics would often adapt those ideas. We'll talk about that a little bit today too. Uh, so Cerebro's gone through a lot of changes. We're gonna cover some of the key storylines today. And we're just gonna kind of talk about these stories briefly as we cover this. Uh, any of our readers who'd like to go research more, there's a lot of information online and you can go to the original comics uh, as we do so. Uh, so in uh, recent years, we got Hawks Pox, House of X, Powers of X, uh, we learned a lot of stuff about Moira McTaggart and uh, some things that happened prior to even the formation of the X-Men. Uh, we have in the comics uh, the story where Claremont sends uh, Professor X into space and uh, he spends time with the Starjammers. And then we learn in Hawksbox he comes back and gets Forge involved uh, with some very different plans and projects for Cerebro. So let me turn it over to uh, Josh Trujillo to talk about that story. Yeah, so um, as we discussed, Professor X is kind of a jerk and like a really shady character. And so he decides that he's going to conquer death using Cerebro. So his plan is to copy the memories of mutants without their will, uh, presumably, and then re-download those into new bodies after the mutants have died. So in order to do this, he needs a couple of things. For, he's building off of like the technology that like Beast has helped him with. So like Professor X and Beast working on anything together is like bad news. And so who's the worst person for them to get in bed with, but Forge. <laughs> so Professor X comes to Forge and he's like, I wanna build this like anti-death machine basically this resurrection device. And Forge is like, cool, you need a power source and you need storage. And that's it, he has no ethical qualms about this, by the way, Forge is immediately on board for this. <laughs> and so Professor X is like, well, in luck, I just, I just so happen to have an antimatter engine cloaked circling earth, which is the most Professor X thing in the world to do. <laughs> like him having a weapon of like untold potential and destruction, just like sitting there. And then he has all these like Shi'ar memory crystals or something to that effect. Logic diamonds, is that what they're logic talking Logic diamonds, there we go. I love those like Hickman concepts, unless the logic <laughs> diamonds predate him. Uh, so that's really it. It's like for all these years, people thought Cerebro was just a mutant tracking device or like a telepathic enhancer or whatever. And secretly, of course, Professor X has been copying mutants' minds and they're like basically their souls. It's kind of how he equates it to. Um, and he makes copies like weekly, basically, of you if you were a mutant for use later on. And there's like uh, there's like hints of like what five or six different storage nodes around the planet that like mm -hmm. keep backups of an encrypted data of everyone's souls and minds. Mm -hmm. uh, it's fascinating. How how involved is Moira in this? Uh, I don't. It, looking at House of X and Powers of X, they do keep the storage at Moira's no place one of the five storage areas. So I assume she's aware of it, but I don't think this is Moira's grand vision. I think this is something that was spurred on by the, the union of Xavier and Magneto and Moira. In, uh, in the new storyline with the Eternals that's happening, the AXE Judgment Day stuff, we saw Moira uh, like launch an attack on the five 
to try to stop resurrections. I've been wondering if she's going to go after the Cerebro storage units too, in an attempt to uh, to harm people. Uh, let me hear all of your thoughts on uh, on Hawkspox. And Josh, thanks for thanks for uh, preparing that and sharing. I have a general question. So is something I don't really understand about Hawkspox and the memory backup thing. So are people just like consistently getting backed up like for your google drive or something like oh you know this is your weekly weekly backup you know just checking in and refreshing your memories so are there like nodes around krakoa or what if somebody is not on krakoa because i know that was an issue for um i think other world yeah is it is it when you go through krakoa's gates um then you get backed up because i I remember certain story elements. I'm I'm only mostly just going off the issues I worked on because that's usually the only time I get to read comics. Is when I get to like letter them. It's it's. Uh, uh, but I think I remember both Excalibur had a thing that if they died on Otherworld, their backup won't be available. It'll just be up until the time they went to Otherworld, and then I. Actually, it's a little it's a little different. So, uh, so, so you're, Michelle's right. You do get backed up. So, if you were backed up on Monday of this week, and then mm -hmm. you died today, when mm -hmm. they resurrect you, they upload your mind for Monday, which means you don't remember anything that happened Tuesday through Friday. Okay. And in fact, in the last Judgment Day, there's a battle between Exodus and one of the giant uh, Eternals, and Exodus figures out how to defeat the Eternal and kills it, but he dies too. Mm -hmm. And then he and the Eternal are both resurrected, but Exodus can't remember how to kill the Eternal, and the Eternal can't because she has a more recent backup. So there's interesting things being done with that in the stories. Yeah. If, if you die on Otherworld, your backup is wiped out. So uh, mm -hmm. even though even though it's stored in the computer, there's something magic that takes place that wipes that out as well. Is it wiped then, out, or do you come back like a different version? They can they can resurrect you, but you come back as like a, a version of you from a different reality. So it's or you're scrambled, maybe. Yeah, it's like a different person. Uh, yeah, but, uh, I remember that happened in Hellions with uh, Nanny and Wildchild. They had died, or an orphan too. That actually was different too. So Nanny, yeah. Wildchild, <laughs> and Orphan Maker didn't die in Otherworld. Uh, they the died in Araco. They died. They died in Amen. The demon dimension. Oh, amen. Okay. So, uh, so rock slide, and that you guys, as you're listening, uh, if you're not readers of the current comics, this is all going to just sound like nonsense nerd stuff. Uh, <laughs> rock slide and Gorgon died in Otherworld, and they've come back scrambled. They've come back as different versions of themselves, and that's mm -hmm. being explored with Rock Slide and X Men Red right now. Uh, he's calling himself Wrong Slide. Uh, mm -hmm. The characters that died in Amen, uh, they also had their backups wiped, but they came back as themselves, but like a more honed, like serious person, uh, a version. Mm -hmm. So if you're like extra cunning and deadly, uh, you're even more so after you come back. So they uh, they come back as like focused, sharpened versions of their personality, but that reverted when they got killed and resurrected again. Mm -hmm. Did that all make sense? Yes. Dying in other world yeah. and dying in Amen have different consequences <laughs> in resurrection. So yeah. in the text pages, I think Hickman says that Professor X is passively backing people up every week. And then once a year, he does like a hard backup, which I don't know what the difference is. But it says it takes him three days and he gets very exhausted from like being like a privacy weirdo. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> 
<laughs> I would love to get some help. Of his powers, Professor X, privacy weirdo. <laughs> I can see that. I can see that in a size Spurrier book as it introduces him. The words underneath Professor X are privacy weirdo. That'd be. <laughs> Put that on his tombstone. There you go. <laughs> so I think he basically uh, has binoculars like <laughs> on him at all times, just like psychic binoculars. I think the implication, Josh, to address what you just said, I think a soft backup is like, let's just boot up your memories and like update. But I think once a year, it might be going back and copying like the fact that you're a year older and it's like doing a more significant or serious version of your mind rather than just an update. Uh, Maybe it's more thorough, like to catch anything that hasn't been caught the previous year or something like that. Yeah, it's like a like a mind cloning process instead of just a, a brief zap or something uh, interesting. Any other thoughts or questions about Hawksbox? It it introduced so many interesting ideas to play with. Like I, I one of the few books I, I read outside of my usual work was uh, X Fact X Factor. And during Hawkspots, and they played a lot with like memory because like they did certain and did certain things that like um, enriched their character. Like I remember, um, was it Dokken had done some things that enriched his character uh, with his relationships and stuff, and then he dies horribly, and he doesn't remember doing that. Right. That or, was interesting. Or Prodigy, yeah. Prodigy is murdered. And uh, when he's backed up, he doesn't remember having been murdered, but his old self left clues for his new self to track down the murder. Leah Williams story. It was great. It was a lot of fun. Yeah. Uh, and then yeah, there's, there was there's um, some interesting aliens too, like Sinister kills um, Psylocke and, and all of them, like brutally, just because he wants a thing and he doesn't want them to know about it. And, and then, they don't remember because the whole mission was wiped from their mind because they didn't get backed up. They only had the backup from when they left. So anything in those several weeks that they grew and bonded together as people was gone up until uh, it was restored right at uh, during their confrontation with Tarn. He was like, here, I've got a gift for you. Look what Sinister did. <laughs> uh, the new books are obviously a lot more intellectual and philosophical than the 60s books were. But Cerebro remained largely the same through the 70s, 80s and early 90s. It's just the computer they would use. They'd put it in the ship or the Sentinels would use it, or it's just the machine that they use. Uh, but then we start to twist the concepts around as we get farther in. So after Operation Zero Tolerance, uh, Bastion, who is that just weird robot guy, that's all you need to know. Uh, he comes in to try to steal Cerebro, but the computer deleted itself as a result. Uh, Bastion like wipes the whole mansion, like the, like the Grinch stole Christmas style. He takes the last can of who hash out of the cupboard and like <laughs> leaves everything just like wires and baubles. And uh, and then there's a really crazy, difficult to read, confusing Cerebro story. It's my least favorite, but also once you get it, it's kind of great. Uh, so Noel, tell us about the time shit got real weird with Cerebro, the, the first time at least. <laughs> Very weird. Yeah, I have I have some major notes because I had the same reaction where I started reading. This is like too much, and then now at the end, I've read it multiple times now. I I actually kind of love it. I had to so, read the story for the blob trial, and then the toad trial, and then the cerebro prep, and I'm like, fuck! If I have to not read the story again. <laughs> yes. Yeah, it's rough, uh, but fun. So um, after Bastion does his thing, um, cerebro kind of breaks free, and I'm gonna use. 
the pronoun he for this section because it seems to be what they use and he be the rebar becomes sentient and can create like nanotech bodies um and so he creates his own nanotech body which starts out looking like a twin of xavier and he takes the name the founder and then he starts using all of the files and everything that Xavier has gathered over the years to create these like nanotech faux X-Men. And so each of them has this amalgamated set of powers and appearances that are constructed from other mutants. Um, I think my favorite was Rapture, who looks like a cross between Mystique and Angel. Um, so it's kind of a cool thing to do, kind of Mr. Snistery, but it's kind of fun to read. And see how those things combine. So just just to uh, no, just to implement there for a second. There's there's a whole team of mutants introduced that are called the X Men. They all have personalities and powers. And then <laughs> later later you learn that they're creations made by Cerebro, uh, which is super weird. It's it's a kind of a dense story because there's a lot of love given to these characters who are nothing because they don't exist. It's it's strange. Anyway, go ahead, Noel. Crazy. Yeah, and at the end they just get reabsorbed and they're they're gone but they're cool for the time that they do exist. Um, but ultimately, like, it's kind of everything that we've been talking about because Cerebro's purpose that he was created for, finding mutants, gets turned to kind of the darkest version um, because now Cerebro wants to capture and catalog all mutants and basically keep them in like cryogenic chambers to create like a, I guess like a living database of their genetics and their powers. Um, and so it's just, it's the idea behind Cerebro of finding mutants, which is ramped up and super dark. Um, ultimately the X-Men, Professor Xavier and a new brotherhood that Xavier creates with Toad, Blob, Mimic, and- Fucking Post. post. I hate Post. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all join together and fight. Uh, they're able to defeat Cerebro, who's also created Sorry, I feel like this is just out of control. But he also creates these things called Cerebrites, which are kind of extensions. So Cerebro in, in one place, but these extensions of Cerebro can be in different places to carry out his goals. Um, so the X-Men and the New Brotherhood have to fight them. And ultimately, Xavier comes up with a plan to defeat Cerebro by refocusing Cerebro on the actual minds and individuality of all humans and all mutants. And it just kind of overwhelms him and he just like dissipates. And I don't know where Cerebro goes from there, to be honest. Uh, my question for you, Noel, first thing, now that we have this retroactively fitted Hawkspox story, uh, we didn't know this at the time, but uh, Cerebro's backed up with Shi'ar stuff. Maybe it had a baby with danger in the danger room. I don't know. <laughs> Uh, but it has, all these, it has all these storage nodes around the country. Like what happened in this story if we add that stuff? And is it Xavier's fault that this machine came alive and did all this shit? Yes. For the second question, it's <laughs> much easier for me to answer. Yes, is Xavier's fault? Because he didn't think of what the negative repercussions could be. Um, but this idea of the sentience of Cerebro I don't know. I don't know what to do with that in the whole pox pox and like the things that develop later because like, is that, is Cerebro still sentient? Like is, 
the Cerebro have its own goals later on after this happens? Like, I don't know. I felt like this was a Cerebro used just for this story. And then the one that comes after is like the original version again. This was like some sort of um, uh, altered program that became sentient was almost kind of how I read it. It's a hard story to read, right? Like it's a really like mixed up, heavy, confusing story. Would you agree with me? Yeah, I feel like it could have been maybe, and I don't know, it, there's so much to it. It seems like there's an essence there to the story that is very interesting, like this this dark potential mm -hmm. of Cerebro. But when you throw in the sentience and everything else, it makes it very all over the place. And there's like too many things to try and define. Mm -hmm. So for the rest of our panel, have you read this story before? And or what are your thoughts on uh, on this crazy story Noel just presented? I never read it because uh, I was living on base overseas at the time and we didn't really get comic books out there, unfortunately. Um, I remember it was around this time I didn't get to read a lot of X-Men and uh, the time I did get a chance to catch up, it was the Chuck Austin era. So I just kind of skipped for a long while. <laughs> But just hearing how Noelle describes the storyline, it actually genuinely sounds fascinating because it sounds like the founder is like just professor, like from the gender to the goals to the invasiveness. It's like it's just it it didn't just copy. It was like basically raised by Professor X to be modeled after him. Professor X didn't intend that, but he seems to simply just be Professor X without the moral quandaries. Well, and then the other parallel there, and I was going to bring this up, so I'm thrilled you did, Ariana, is Professor X, our Professor X, then takes on the role of Magneto as he recruits a bunch of criminals to become the Brotherhood to defeat Cerebro. Uh, so that's not super emphasized in the story, but it is a really interesting thing, uh, putting Cerebro in the role of Professor X and Professor X in the role of Magneto. It's the fact story. that it was, like, sinister-esque. So it it makes sense like it's they're creating entities and like the whole danger situation and then like some kind of baby that's some sinister shit like for sure mm -hmm. for sure from the techno kind of side <laughs> yeah i'm kind of reminded when you mentioned like the hybrid mutants basically like kind of the chimera mutants that we see in house of and like i wonder if there's like there is kind of there's something to that right there's like Cerebro is like housing all these identities and power sets and like merging them together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's like in the future, right? Like when the phalanx and... Yeah, that's like a thousand years yeah. in the future or something like that. Yeah. Oh, Rasputin, I think, was the mutant yeah. chimera. I'd be very afraid if the founder and Mr. Sinister ever teamed up. Yeah, interesting. Uh, it is interesting to consider what happened to that guy. <laughs> yeah, because um, he, it's it's not clear at the end, like what happens. And that's why I keep referring to Justice Cerebro because he just turns into this blue like light and disappears. And I don't know, it just makes me think he's still around. Mm. I bet the strangers got him. Every time something floats into space, yeah. the stranger grabs it and sticks it in his cages. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, okay, so let's keep moving forward. We go a little farther in the future. Uh, this is right after the movies came out. And uh, we have the new X-Men era, which is beloved by so many. The X-Men have gone public with their mutant status. The school is now known to be a, a, a home for mutants. Uh, they start wearing leather. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, and Cerebro is no longer this little computer. It's now this giant fucking room with the, the big oval and the raised platform that the telepath has to go walk out into the middle of this room. Uh, and it's, it's kind of a brilliant design. It's really eye-catching. But they do some interesting things with uh, Cerebro in this era. So, uh, Kevin, let me turn it over to you. Yeah, so I was reading these. Um, so they changed the name to Cerebra, so it's gendered feminine, which I thought was very fascinating. Uh, and they say they can boost mutant findings to the global range, so it couldn't do that before. This is brand new. It, yeah, it seems to have a wider scope than previous. Now we can go around the planet. That's crazy, because I, I just always assumed that's how it worked, and now I'm like, oh, all right, now it's new. <laughs> and then they say that the Xavier's thoughts are like, condensations on the wall around him and then you, this is where you start to see the little lights around the world and then yeah it's very much rem reminiscent of the movies like oh i can hear your thoughts and <laughs> um and i see that xavier is literally having x-men meetings with cerebra in other other mutants minds like everyone everyone that's joining this person's mind <laughs> which is fun um and there's, what was it? Cerebra allows people to live as specks inside human DNA. There's so many weird stuff happening in this. <laughs> like the, the blood vessels are like engorged and, and ginormous. I'm like, what is, this is crazy to me. So it's amazing. Um, and then I guess we see that Cassandra Nova can, Cassandra Nova can channel the signal back to, to uh, Xavier, which is cool. So, you know, there's the danger of, people going back on your signal and, and causing havoc on your body. I love that. Uh, this is where Cerebra can telepathically remote control mutants. So he starts doing those things. And um, we start to, this is where we, this is where the art style very much, you said it looks like the movies. You see the circle entrance, the long beam that comes out and you see the console in the middle. Uh, and then it's like all the panels and the grid on the outside of the sphere. It kind of looks like Spaceship Earth. I remember in Spaceship Earth at Epcot, I think of <laughs> Cerebro. <laughs> uh, yeah, so that's what I got from this. It's pretty good. <laughs> there's a there's a lot of uh, comparisons between this Grant Morrison era and then the Jonathan Hickman era. They're very different, but what it what they're similar in is it completely takes the concepts and just flips them on their head and shakes them around and then throws them against the wall, right? Like you look at what Cerebro was versus what Hickman made it, which is what Josh just talked about, or what Morrison made it, which is what Kevin's now talking about. Uh, and it's really different. Why uh, or what are your thoughts on the uh, the switch to the name Cerebra? I mean, he says that's like Cerebro's big sister. So I guess it's just evolution. <laughs> it's just kind of fun. I mean, <laughs> I know it's just, it's neat. They have some uh, feminine energy in it to it. I don't know. I don't mind it. <laughs> or does it connect maybe to what Noel was telling us about, about how Cerebro just like, changed and then disappeared. And now we have what like a a rebirth kind of a thing so we get cerebra yeah it says like a new version of itself or like you know to use like a an avengers metaphor how in the mcu jarvis evolved into what vision and then oh, and there was like a female mm -hmm. that uh spider-man like 
Yeah, he introduced a, a new AI, so new voice and everything. Yeah. 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 So maybe it's some kind of evolution like that. Or they just created a whole new system, yeah. but based off the earlier template, except for the part where it gains sentience and makes a new team of X-Men. And then <laughs> we'll go in a new direction and we'll improve on it. Yeah. I see them doing that, using all their great minds and mutants to create an even stronger cerebro system. So that was, that's nifty. Also terrifying, but nifty. <laughs> There's a story where Wolverine is uh, brainwashed into working for Hydra and he's doing all these deadly things. And uh, he goes in and basically blackmails Emma Frost and tells her, I want you to use Cerebra to do these, like control these particular minds or kill these particular people. And they have to find a way out of that. Uh, did, I, did I summarize that right, uh, Kevin? Yeah, though I think it was Rachel, right? Oh, it was Rachel at the Rachel at, at yeah. first. I was like, I got something wrong. Uh, uh, it's an interesting concept. So people tried to weaponize it at that time. Mm -hmm. And then again, Morrison just does all this crazy shit uh, with Cerebra and its expanding capabilities. Uh, any thoughts on the Morrison use of Cerebra or what he did with the, the machine? I wonder I mean, if like, I wonder how much the movie influenced it and vice versa, like vice versa, because they're like so similar. Uh, Chicken or the egg. Exactly. Yes. <laughs> the costumes too. It just it felt like a natural progression from the movies into this comic. Yeah, the uh, the That's black leather. Yeah, I feel like it's something that I usually have a hard time with. I don't, you know, obviously the movies are based on the comics, and so I have no problem with the influence on the movies. But I usually really just like feeling any influence on the comics from the movies. I don't like it going the other way. This is like a weird example where the movie did something really cool with Cerebro. Mm -hmm. And so seeing Cerebro and the new the new shape and the stuff, like it was actually a really cool part of the movie. Um, so I don't actually mind seeing it go yeah. influenced in that direction. It's really, it's really a cool thing, though. I, I will also think of how they've revived the image of uh, Tony Stark back in the day when the movie came out. The to all of the Iron Man comics got considerably better because they're like, oh, we can go with this weird personality from the movie. And so Tony Stark definitely changed, but it was more for the better because what they were using before wasn't as exciting for them. Or uh, when Eternals came out, it switched the genders of uh, Makari and Ajak to women uh, in the mm -hmm. in the movie. And then the characters in the comics changed gender as a result. When they were resurrected, they were uploaded into female bodies. Uh, so you still see that happening sometimes, which is interesting. But I, I think the movie probably influenced the comics. Uh, I don't, I'm not aware of any sort of symbiosis there. I think the Fox entity was something different. And then because of the success of the movie, they seem so to have popular, yeah. into the comics. That's how I understood it, at least. Yeah. Uh, but if we were talking ethics before, Cerebra is now really, really super <laughs> dangerous. It's really scary. Uh, it's, it's now become a weapon. And again, Iron Man stories are often, he creates something and stops it from being weaponized, right? This is an example of Xavier creating something that's now become extraordinarily dangerous. Um, it's a good example of how Morrison's approach, like their whole take on new X-Men was everything, but everything's bigger, everything's more emphasized, everything, the risks are much higher, and the devastation is even worse. So Cerebro kind of echoing that is just, it's far more extensive, it can do more, much more than you can ever dream of kind of that feeling. So if I were to work in merchandising and create an X-Men themed jockstrap that we call Cerebros, 
and it's a bra for women that we call Suri bras. What do you guys think? These sell well? I wear them. I wear them. I feel like in the cosplay community, they might. Oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> yeah. All those underwear parties. I mean, come on. Yeah. I'm wearing my Suri bra. It's time to go out. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Okay, as we jump forward just a little bit more, uh, we've now seen the island nation of Krakoa established. Uh, the true capabilities of Cerebro are revealed like Josh covered a minute ago. Mutants can now be resurrected. And Cerebro uh, plays an enormous part of that as it contains your soul, your memories, your, your experiences and personality. That's what gets uploaded into the body, uh, which has been created with DNA and uh, uploads your powers. But Cerebro is the one that uh, uploads your mind so you know how to use your powers and what your training has been. It's a really interesting uh, concept. So the five make a new body, then a telepath like Hope Summers using a telepath's powers will place the cerebral backed up mind into the new body. We see Professor X start to wear this like iconic X helmet, which is a cerebral unit on his head. Uh, it, he wears it all the time. He does not want people to notice he's bald anymore. Just look at my <laughs> helmet instead. <laughs> Uh, and then there was one time some assassins and X-Force came and killed him dead and the Cerebro helmet was reforged as the Cerebro sword. And then again, uh, shit got weird again. Let me turn it over to Michelle to talk <laughs> about some of this recent Cerebro continuity. Yes. So Professor X does wear the Cerebro helmet. Uh, he is assassinated. He is shot in the head. So thus destroying the Cerebro helmet and killing him. It looks like Jean and Magneto take that particular helmet and reforge it into a Cerebro sword. I am not sure what the significance was for that. It wasn't really explained in the comics that I read. Um, but then there's this whole like scare. Since the Cerebro helmet is destroyed, people are wondering, well, how are we going to resurrect Professor X? And then some of the mutants in the know refer to cradle one. So all on Krakoa, there's these little cradles where there are like dormant cerebro backups. So from there, I have a lot of notes. There was a lot to like, there was a lot of things happening and I wanted to make sure I only focused on the cerebro sword parts. So, uh, so Krakoa is attacked again, this time by these nesting doll agents uh, that create a distraction for the X-Men, but one actually goes and steals the Cerebro sword. Uh, he stabs Quentin Quire, who just happens to be wrong place, wrong time, near a Krakoan gate, so that the nesting doll can kick Quentin through the Krakoan gate and deliver the Cerebro sword via inserting it into Quentin Choir to, uh, I believe it's, is it pronounced Mikhail? Michael? Mikhail, yeah. Mikhail. Or just Mikhail's fine. Mikhail okay. Rasputin. Or maybe Colossus I'll just refer to him as Rasputin. Yeah, Colossus's big brother. Yeah, Colossus's big brother. So the, the nesting doll delivers the sword to Rasputin via Quentin Choir. Um, and then... Rasputin is working with the Xeno leader, the man with the peacock tattoo, who created the nesting dolls and who's creating this army for Rasputin so that they can attack Krakoa. 
Um, the, the sword is said to contain all of the intelligence of Xavier um, and all of Krakoa as a whole within it. So that's one reason why Rasputin wanted that and why the um, the man, the masked man with the peacock tattoo wants it as well. So they're working together like they don't have a great relationship. They're kind of like backstabbing each other a lot. <laughs> um, they're unsure how to access it, but uh you're doing awesome this is a hard story yeah there's a lot there's a lot here i'm like reading my own <laughs> notes and i was like i don't even know if i need to like talk about this or not but okay <laughs> yeah, so. so i think i think it's okay to just summarize that part so this is all in benjamin percy's x-force they've created yeah. the cerebro, cerebro sword and their enemies have it now and mikhail or uh, rasputin has the power to alter or manipulate reality oh. so he does this really scary shit with it in x lives and x deaths of wolverine will you cover that part for us Yes, yes. So um, Rasputin recruits Omega Red to his side and he stabs him with the Cerebro Sword, thus allowing Omega Red to time travel throughout time to try and murder Xavier. So our murder, murder Xavier's descendants. Or his ancestors. Trying, yeah. Yeah. They're, or yeah, ancestors. Sorry. Descendants is. Yeah, so they're going back in time to murder some version of Xavier's family so that he doesn't create Krakoa. And at the same time, Wolverine is being sent back in time to protect Xavier by Jean Grey and Xavier himself. So they're sending Logan back in time to protect Xavier. And I believe they are going through all of Wolverine's memories. So Omega Red becomes people that either are around or that Wolverine knows. So they're battling, like he almost kills Dakin's mom at one point. Um, then they try to kill Professor X's mom right before she gives birth to him. Yeah. Yeah. There's also Something like that. a pirate version, or not a pirate, but like a sailor version yeah. of Xavier's ancestor and omega red turns into the like the literal white whale trying to kill him um and then let me see uh, so they obviously eventually stop them what happens in the end of this story what happens to the cerebro sword okay so okay you're doing, you're doing that. There's so much. Okay, so <laughs> Omega Red eventually takes possession of Wolverine's body, the one that Jean Grey and Xavier and present Krakoa are are use, are using. And so he that Wolverine Omega is trying to kill Professor X, but Jean and Xavier call him back, and then the link is severed. Omega Red is sent back to. Um, wherever Rasputin's like headquarters is and Logan comes back to his body in Krakoa. Rasputin says, you failed, get the fuck out, abandons Omega Red in the wilderness. Wolverine shows up and like, hey, let's battle in real life. But when Rasputin got rid of Omega Red, he also gave him the sword basically. I don't know if that was on purpose or accident, but so Omega Red has the Cerebro sword. Him and Wolverine go at it wolverine cuts off his hand that has the sword 
And then Omega Red pins him against the tree. Omega Red goes to like kill him, but then Wolverine, no, Omega Red stabs Wolverine with the Cerebro sword. But at the same time, Wolverine kills Omega Red. Wolverine goes back to Krakoa with the sword, gives it to Sage. And then they're like, hey, we know you just had like this big battle, but your, um, I think it's like a phalanx version they're calling it like the omega wolverine your kids are fighting it right now because it's attacking krakoa and so wolverine's like god damn let me go take care of this so dakin laura and um gabby are fighting they call it the omega wolverine the phalanx wolverine from the future from the future and wolverine joins in he's like hey it's me you really want i'm gonna take you out um then right before that he'd given the sword to sage sage has like she's kind of a living computer i believe right so she hacks the cerebro sword and then it charges it with like some kind of nanites and then she delivers it to wolverine during the battle and wolverine stabs the omega Wolverine with the Cerebro sword, thus destroying him. And then Krakoa just absorbs the skeleton. And that is where it ends, I believe. I, I feel like you need a hug right now. <laughs> 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 I'm picturing you sitting with this stack of comics, preparing this and going, what the fuck did I commit to? <laughs> I had I wrote like two pages of notes, like per <laughs> issue. So because because well, X-Force was fine, but then when we got into, like, the lives and death of Wolverine, there was so much going on. So there's, like, two simultaneous miniseries happening, and I'm just, like, going back and forth. I'm like, okay, like, is this significant? <laughs> like, where's the Cerebro sword at? What's it doing? And then there's all this other, like, bonkers stuff. That's so intense. It I was. think I remember that was, like, a weekly, too. So, like, every week, people's minds were getting blown by, like, what's happening next? And it's I mean, so pretty. I, I watched like the over like the overview on youtube mm -hmm. but after reading this i realized there was so much more yeah. so much more terminator to the max yeah, <laughs> it was very terminator s yeah very to, so to sum up the section in like three sentences oversimplifying they declare krakoa he wears the cerebro helmet and they have just established their nation and assassins get on their land and kill their leader I think that's where the sword comes from. They take this helmet and it's like a declaration of like, let's build this sword and we're going to make this as a sign that we're not going to fucking trust anybody anymore. Okay. Then the sword gets acquired by one of their worst villains who uses it in a very scary way. And it's a brilliant, confusing, convoluted story, but it's about time travel and assassins. And uh, it's kind of great. Uh, did you guys, uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on, uh, on the use of Cerebro in this story? It's, it's convoluted and weird, but at the same time, I can kind of understand it. Definitely the sword theme goes with the whole exosword storyline they were doing um, that made that kind of foretold that. But like how it went in X lives and X deaths is like unexpected. I thought it was weird that Rasputin just like got rid of it. Like he wanted it so bad. And then he was like, mm, you know, I don't want it anymore. <laughs> Buyer's remorse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> this costs too much. Work. <laughs> I didn't know where to put this. 
stupid time travel. I want my money back. Right. <laughs> yeah. He's like, I got an army now. I don't need this. <laughs> Uh, this is the, the time travel component of this and the rules around it, like with Wolverine and Omega Red occupying different bodies, but connected to each other. It's, it's strange. And that's the part that's a little bit hard to interpret mostly, but it's a, it's a great story. And it's so pretty. You get Omega Red as a whale, for God's sake. It's, it's, it's a wonderful. Yeah. <laughs> uh, any other really thoughts on this section? I'm so baffled by the Omega Red becoming a whale part that I really <laughs> kind of lost track of this thread immediately. Yeah. Dream sequence of the century. A, <laughs> like, that's a Percy moment right there, was all I thought. <laughs> well, there's another moment where Wolverine is being intimate with Dakin's mom, and then all of a sudden they are fighting each other naked. Like, she becomes Omega Red. Like, she gets possessed by Omega Red, and he's got to, like, fight her. And it was it was beautifully done but it was just like that escalated quickly yeah it's, yeah it's gorgeous that very first issue that came out it was sharon xavier charles mom uh pregnant with uh with twins you find out that cassandra's in there too which was a brilliant uh a brilliant tie-in and she's fucking ready to give birth but she's got a shotgun and she's hiding like the midwife uh, attending her turns into a mega red and tries to kill her uh, it's it's intense. It's really intense. That that first issue that came out uh, when I read it in real time, I was like, "Holy shit!" Like <laughs> they're really they're really hitting us here. It was uh, it was great. Um, okay, and then shit gets weirder again. Believe it or not, we have the most recent use of Cerebro in uh, in a story in X Force again. So this is Percy again, uh, where it gets weaponized and mutated and given the ability to adopt the powers of any mutant it kills. It's crazy. Uh, let me turn it over to Ariana to tell us that story. Yeah, that's really strange, but it is much more easier to comprehend. It only spanned like three issues, but uh, the basic elements to know is that they debate whether to bring back Omega Red. And even though uh, Beast is like, let's just completely erase him from existence and like just erase any backups of him and stuff. That's the great punishment. And Sage is like, you know, no, we did some wrong things to Omega Red. We should revive him. And um you know, try to make things easier for him. We can like give him some improvements and stuff and make it his decision as to whether he wants to help us or not. Because it seems like, you know, we had to torture him for information and stuff and that was wrong. So, and him finding out was why he defected to the Russians and stuff like that. And so, um, so she suggests that Omega Red gets improvements to his um, tentacle technology that could interface with the computers and things like that. She um, basically is an angel on Omega Red's shoulders being like, I know you hate us, but um, we want to start from scratch, basically. Um, we want to give you another chance to do some good and if you want to help us. And uh, that comes into play later on in the story. Another thing happening is Quentin Quire got dumped and he went through his whole like, oh, I got dumped phase. And now he's getting into his like whole, you know what? I'm I'm going to be my best or whatever kind of phase. He's, he's trying to get his groove back. And then um, the main storyline is that one of the Cerebro backups goes offline. And they're worried about it because I guess they had used the Cerebros as, well, no, I'm just going to read this. Uh, specifically from the comic uh, sage says of what happens uh, i can only speculate that the psionic interface of gene and professor x had something to do with what happened 
As Logan portaled through time, the Cerebro unit became a kind of nexus for their collective consciousness. And that nexus affected the Cerebro unit, one of the units. So one of the units gained sentience, but instead of it gaining an intelligent sentience, a gender and a personality and, and a motive like uh, the, the founder did in that earlier storyline, this one is just feral. It's just, it has a very simple mind, but it has this um, desire to consume. And feral, and feral like wild, not feral like that hairy chick from X-Force. No, yeah, exactly. <laughs> As uh, Beast put it, he says, the purpose of Cerebro is to store and digest knowledge. Its prerogative has somehow been perverted and heightened. So what it actually starts doing is uh, attacks and eats the brains of mutants. Um, it pretty much, it attacks uh, Forge and when eating its brain, it just pretty much just eats the top half of their head. Uh, kind of like how you see Professor X with the helmet on his head, except it's just eating it off. And it gets these like uh, tentacle things to move around with. It becomes basically uh, a horror alien thing. And um, it's going around Krakoa, finding mutants, eating them, gaining their powers and abilities, and slowly building its intelligence. Since it started with Forge, it uses the memories of Forge to slowly build an intelligence up. Then it goes after Black Tom Cassidy, which basically, um, since Black Tom Cassidy has um, a communion with Krakoa, it starts merging with Krakoa to become more powerful. And um, as it's doing this, just becoming this bestial thing and gaining its intelligence, it names itself Cerebrax. Um, but thankfully, at this point, like Wolverine tries to face Cerebrax and it turns out very badly for him. His With um, some of magnetic abilities, Cerebrax used his own claws to turn in on his own arm and hurt Wolverine that way. And so Domino tells Sage what's gone wrong and um, to like, you know, get help before he starts eating more and more powerful mutants such as Kid Omega getting eaten would be a very bad thing because he's so he has so much raw power. So um, what happens is that Sage asks Omega Red to help them out, and she downloads a malware into his cyber tentacle things. And Omega Red jumps onto the Cerebrax to to basically um, connect with it so that the malware can hack into its system, but they're having a problem with like getting into its system. So Kid Omega does the brute force thing and just like pile drives Cerebrax into the center. And that somehow does the hacking thing and everything blows up. Kid Omega dies and is completely embraced from the records. So he's gone. And also Cerebrax is also gone. And that is a very strange thing I read. But it was also kind of fun. So I'm okay with that. <laughs> we talked about X-Lives reminding us of Terminator. This story reminded me of Ender's Game, where you've got the aliens that learn every time you attack them. And uh, every time you attack, you have to come up with new strategies because they keep replicating. And it's like Percy yeah. looks it's at like these classic stories. It's just lurking around and attacking and eating people. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I just uh, thought of Charmed because there's a Charmed connection to that. <laughs> what is it? There's a, there's a thing called the Hollow and it absorbs every, your magic. It absorbs all magic. Good, bad, 
uh, and everything. And it just eats, eats and gets, gets more powerful and more consuming and it threatens to destroy all magic completely. And so that's kind of what this seems to be. Yeah, that sounds <laughs> really accurate. Too. Yeah, that yeah. Was very close to what that storyline was, which is interesting because earlier we we're talking about how terrifying the concept of Cerebro is and what it's capable of. And in this one, it's actually turned into a terrifying beast. And yet the implications of what its actual functions are is far more terrifying than it just going around and eating people, especially since it's an island where you can get resurrected. But like, yeah, that was that was wild. <laughs> it's a it's a pretty it's like Percy gets these ideas and then how can we do this X-Men style? Uh, let's, <laughs> let's use Cerebro as the thing that eats people. It's it's really interesting. Uh, any comments or questions about this story uh, or, or Cerebro itself uh, in, in its use here? Well, it's a good thing that Sage is there because she seems to be like the antidote for anything that goes wrong with Cerebro, her and Wolverine. Yeah, Beast yeah. doesn't help much. <laughs> yeah, Beast is like weird. Yeah, yeah. He's got some, he's got some parasites. He's got some bad vibes right now. Yeah. <laughs> no, Sage is like the only tech mutant that I think I try, trinary, I guess now. But like, you know, because like Forge and Beast and Xavier are all like madmen and mega, megalomaniacs. And I'm like, okay, Sage is, Sage is good. I trust Sage. Yeah. Usually. She's yeah. like the malware protectant, you know? She's like, mm, y'all are getting a little too wild on the internet. Mm-hmm. Downloading these viruses. Let me clean it up for you. <laughs> it's like so many of them are getting divorced from their emotions or moral implications of things. And Sage is like, I could be evil like them, but like then there would be no one else. So I'm going to do the good thing and try to like when it comes to the moral quandary of what to do about Omega Red and Beast is like, let's just, you know, erase all evidence. Let's just completely obliterate him from existence. I think that's a great idea, you know? (laughs) And Sage comes in and she doesn't just walk in and be like, I disagree. She's like, I have this PowerPoint. I have like this, all this documentation on why this is a good idea not to do what Beast says. the receipts. And she also like calls everybody on their like, immoral bullshit she's like uh that's just not right through this series yeah. yeah she's having to do a lot of emotional labor for them yeah <laughs> she is she's like y'all are wild <laughs> like, i am not your therapist yeah easily descend into nightmare and they all kind of know it they know like everyone who lives on Kakro kind of knows that they kind of have to ride the edge because there's so much good to enjoy in Krakoa, but there's so much that things could go wrong. It's almost always waiting for the other shoe to drop. And it almost seems like people like Sage are there to stop that other shoe from dropping. And because sometimes there's no one else or some there are people who will instigate that shoe from dropping if you let them go. Like, I feel like Beast could cause a lot of trouble if Sage wasn't there. Yeah. Sage is the real MVP here. Mm-hmm. Quietly the real MVP. Mm-hmm. Uh, other thoughts on uh, Cerebro as the one-eyed, one-horned, flying purple people eater in the recent X-Force story. <laughs> it makes for cool art. <laughs> yeah, it's gorgeous. It's baffling. The both the both the the last two stories we covered under Percy are baffling, but they're nuts. They're really fun to read and really beautifully drawn. Uh, so we start with we start with Cerebro <laughs> as a uh, a mash of wires and tech, uh, and then we end up with it being the thing that eats people. <laughs> it's gone through 
right. Oh, it looks like we had a stall. Let's wait. Everybody here? Yeah. Okay. It stalled for just a second on my side. Sorry. Uh, so we started with Cerebro as a, uh, in 1963, as uh, a mess of wires with technology. And then we've ended up with this giant, uh, giant monster that's eating people. Uh, <laughs> what are your thoughts on the progression of this, uh, this machine over time and the way it's portrayed? It's, it's fascinating to watch this concept uh, rediscovered over the years. It almost feels like it's like devolved into something like monsters, like it starts off all like smart and high tech. And then at the end, it's really just like this nasty monster that is destroying like what it was supposed to help like elevate, you know? I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's, it's sheer, interesting. Yeah. Sheer brute, sheer power, sheer hunger, whatever it be. Mm -hmm. So there have also been uh, a number of alternate versions of Cerebros, some in other realities. Uh, I'll cover just a couple of the really clever ones here, just with like a, a few sentences. In X-Men Red number one, uh, Jean Grey sets up a mutant base in Atlantis called Xlantis, and they have a computer called Cerebro, S-E-A-R-E-B-R-O, which uh, is punny and wonderful. Uh, and Gabby, uh, the character Gabby is like, it's not, uh, she looks at Namor. She's like, it's not Atlantis, it's Abslantis, which is also wonderful. Uh, when got him Leviosa. Gabby is like, she's the realest one. Uh, she's lovely. And then, uh, in the series Extraordinary X-Men in 2015, we see Forge has, uh, uploaded a sentient Cerebra into a sentinel body. Uh, I think Gabby paints like rainbows on it. It's it's really cute. And uh, she's she's sentient and she's like a little sentinel robot that joins them on their missions. And she appeared over like 30 times. She was uh, used quite prominently during the time when the X-Men were stationed in limbo. Uh, in the original Sins series in 2014, Prodigy builds a machine called Cerebrat for the hood. Uh, and this machine can take on human knowledge and arrange it into encrypted data. Uh, in Young X-Men number two in 2008, we get Cerebrex, not to be confused with Cerebrax. Uh, God, this it sounds like a medicine for old people. <laughs> and, uh, it's designed from Sentinel technology and can uh, detect mutants in a, in a small range. So again, those are just a few of the stories where we see these kind of minor little side stories that feature the same type of, uh, of tech. Uh, do you have any favorite versions of those or any comments on that before we wrap up today? I had to Google Sabri Brat because like, what? <laughs> In the Age of Apocalypse storyline, there is a character called Know-It-All. Is that, is she affiliated with a Cerebro type thing at all? Uh, not that I'm aware of offhand. Uh, anyone know that offhand? I'd have to look into that. I haven't read. Uh, you should bring this up with Power uh, with with Dayspring on Power of X Men. I should. I should. Oh well, yeah. I'll get into it. I'm sure. I'm sure. <laughs> We're covering it. So. <laughs> um. Any other comments or questions before uh, before we wrap up? Mm. I am curious to see where they go next with Cerebro. Yeah. Are they going to tone it down a little bit, or is it just going to stay wild? Yeah. Well, the, uh, the the feral one died. Cerebrax is dead. So the other nexuses the, or the other um, Cerebro units should be fine, maybe. I guess Percy could always be like, oh, no, another one went feral or something. But The founder <laughs> returns to Krakoa and recreates yeah. the faux X-Men 
<laughs> Return of the, the founder sword. would be interesting. It, that, that would be interesting, especially if um, the founder decides to go all in and like just completely becoming like imitating Professor X. Like Professor X starts going around and being weird, and then you realize it's like, oh no, that's not Professor X. The founder took over like one of the eggs. <laughs> I feel like you wouldn't know the difference. I think that also came with like the beast they're like maybe that's dark beast from age of apocalypse it's like how can you tell the difference at this point uh, once they go down the rabbit hole it's just like you know what something's just not right yeah uh Josh what was your thought a minute ago oh no I was agreeing with uh Ariana like what the future of Cerebro holds you know like it's kind of like how Magneto was right Right, kind of went from like a counterculture opinion to kind of like the prevailing wisdom over time. And like, I wonder if Cerebro is going to be looked at less as like a benign or positive thing. And like we, going forward in the comics, because like the danger of it and like the parallels to like real technology are like becoming closer and closer. And I think that we're like going to reevaluate Cerebro probably. Yeah. Like the usefulness of Cerebro can't be ignored, but then like all things that like could have an inherent good to them but also have so much danger to them you need some kind of stopgap in place so i wouldn't mind cerebro keep being used for the supposed good if they could think of something some other kind of technology to keep to help resolve these moral quandaries we discussed like something to counter cerebro something to you know, balance things out because it's like, it's pretty terrifying that there's like, there's no ceiling for Cerebro. It could become anything and everything. It could devour your brains. And that, that's just what it does. <laughs> or, or kill you in your sleep. Uh, so <laughs> I think it's fascinating to take this concept. Uh, it's not a topic that we ever focus on, right? Cerebro is the tool or the narrative device for so long. Uh, and then it's become a driver in the story a lot. There's uh, writers thinking, how can we take this crazy uh, comic book technology and turn it into a story? Uh, it's Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, some of the stories are nuts. Uh, and some of it's just, uh, again, this computer appears hundreds of times uh, in its use over the years as, as various mm -hmm. plot devices. Um, and then the ethics of it is the other thing that really fascinates me. How, when did Professor X choose not to use it? Which mutants did he program it to find? And which ones did he leave out? Uh, yeah. The idea of consent. I want someone to get upset in the comics. Wait, you backed up my mind without my consent. Uh, we are. It would be seeing... interesting if, like, you know, Emma Frost or someone, one of the more um, uh, ethical sides of the council, would just be like, "Wait, we need some rules in place for Cerebro. We need there, some there, kind of limiting factor." <laughs> there are characters that are opting out of resurrection too. Well, uh, Kid Omega, Storm, and Magneto have all been noted. Like they're taking, they don't want backups anymore. So if they die, they die. There's no bringing them back. But that doesn't mean Professor X doesn't keep copies. Don't do it anyway. anyway. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's always the cloud. Yeah, there's yeah, and there's sure. one story and there's that, Eric. <laughs> there's one story in X Force as well where Domino goes through some trauma and asks to be resurrected, remembering that trauma, and they resurrect her without the memory of the trauma. They make that call for her so she oh. won't know it. So it really fascinating stuff around the ethics of Cerebro's use in the resurrection protocols. Uh, as we are wrapping up, uh, I thank you all for coming. I always leave these discussions just feeling like, huh, for several hours afterward, <laughs> and my brain starts generating facts and data and story ideas. Uh, so I learned a lot today just in, uh, in nerding out with all of you. Uh, Kevin, I know you've got to run first. So as we're doing outros, I'll let you go first here. 
uh, and sure. then feel free to pop out. Uh, where can people find you online? And recognizing that this episode's coming out on August 29th, uh, is there anything you'd like to announce or plug as far as what you have uh, uh, to look forward to? Sure. Uh, well, you can find me at my main page, KGZ87. That's on Instagram. Uh, f- definitely follow the podcast, Solving for X, where we're covering the animated series, and then Words of the Witches, if you're into Charmed, where we cover the Charmed books. By the time this is out, we'll have finished the novels and we'll get into the Charmed comic books. So a uh, transition period there. Um, but yeah. And if you're local, go see Cinderella because I'm doing a musical. <laughs> and uh, and KGZ is K J E E Z Y. So if you want to follow Kevin, KGZ87. Uh, Kevin, thank yeah. you. Have fun. Uh, have fun with your family tonight. And uh, thanks yes, for thank uh, you. Thank you. This was fun. <laughs> uh, Ariana, would you like to go next? Um, geez, I it's hard to keep track of what's been announced because I know there's a a thing. I don't know if I'm allowed to announce that one. Okay, I'll just go with what I know is out already. Like I'm, I'm doing- And and just a side note, if you do say something uh, thinking it will be announced, we can always edit that part out before release if it hasn't been announced. <laughs> okay, Josh, is our thing announced? Uh, hopefully in Wiccan. Yeah. Yeah, it's been announced. Uh, okay. but we, don't, we haven't announced when it's coming out, but look but for okay. that towards the end of the year. Okay. I'm just going to say look forward look forward to uh there's going to be a new Hulkling and Wiccan series that uh Josh has written and I'm going to be lettering. I'm very excited for that. And then uh there's also uh right now is Demon Wars, uh drawn and um conceptualized by Peach Momoko and written by my <laughs> friend Zach Davison. I'm lettering that one. Uh it follows up after Demon Days and I love it. And uh, Detective Comics has just started a new run with Ram V, and that's pretty exciting. Yeah, that's all I can think right now. <laughs> you're doing so much. Your name is everywhere, and I love it. I think you're lucky <laughs> for being here. It's because like, you can letter a lot of books in a week. I think I letter an average of 100, 150 pages per week. So wow. it's a lot. <laughs> Uh, earlier today, I reviewed uh, an issue uh, of Xbed with a, a different podcast recording where Jean Izzo, the daughter of uh, Artie Simek, uh, she lettered one story and he lettered the other. And we're like, oh, it's a lettering family. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> there's there's only like, I'd say maybe like less than 50 major online, like like major letterers that are like staying connected. We all have like a little discord that we chat to each other and stuff. And uh, it's a nice little community of letters. We all watch out for each other's backs and and discuss how to you know improve our techniques and and come up with new ideas and stuff. It's man, letters are the, my favorite people. Uh, and yeah, they 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 do amazing things, and no one knows about them. <laughs> That's wonderful. Uh, let's have Noel go next. Yeah, um, my podcast is X Men Unraveled um, at X Men Unraveled on uh, social media and i'm just making my way through um the early 60s stories now so um covering the brotherhood and the upcoming stories of what the x-men were doing in the early years so it's fun to go back to those and uh, michelle gosh well you can follow me on instagram at michelle waffalo where i post all of my cosplay stuff um, I also have a joint account with my husband, adventures.in.geekdom, where we chronicle our uh, 
toy hunting and comic book collecting adventures. Um, we are not collectors at all. <laughs> she says indicating the giant wall of toys behind her. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, we are going to some local cons coming up. There's Collecticon in Long Beach that we're going to go check out. And then there's also Amazing Las Vegas con which is mid-september i believe so those are our two like major cons that we have planned um and i'm also a sometimes co-host on power of x-men where we are currently going through the age of apocalypse as well as covering uh, judgment day and sometimes we also talk about marvel legends so mm -hmm. It's fun. Uh, Noelle, Michelle, you're both the loveliest people. It's so great to see you both today. Thanks for being here. Uh, and then uh, Josh. Sure. Um, you can find me on social media at Lost His Keys Man. Um, and then you can look forward to Hulkling and Wiccan. Uh, the second volume comes out at the end of the year. And then Blue Beetle uh, launches in November. So please pre order, pre order, pre order. And um, that's it. That's all I got. <laughs> it's uh, it's thrilling to hear the new stuff you have coming out. Josh, I've known you for a while now, uh, and there's always that, like, what can I say and what's coming next? Uh, I'm so happy to hear you uh, uh, just on the top of your game, man. It's really great. Um, oh, thank you. It's uh, You know you've made it when you can't talk about anything you're making. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and then lastly, my name is Chad Anderson. I uh, I am the host of Gray Malkin Lane, which you can find under Gray Malkin PP, like podcast on Twitter, or Gray Malkin underscore Lane on Instagram. Uh, Gray Malkin Lane has uh, t-shirts out now, which is fun. So you can look at our link tree for that. I'm wearing one now. It's my Vera and Candy and Zelda and Bernard shirt. Uh, so feel free to check out our, our t-shirts. There's a couple new ones coming forward that are uh, uh, super fun. Uh, we've also got the Patreon set up. We're releasing weekly episodes, which are just focused on minor characters. Around the time this episode's released, uh, I will be putting out a focused episode on the Changeling that I made here with my friend George Michael Duvin, who's been on the podcast. We got very high and had so much fun. So come give it a listen uh, and uh, and you'll learn a lot as well. It's uh, it's really informative about the character uh, Changeling. Uh, next up on our podcast, uh, in, in the next episode, we'll be reviewing Fantastic Four number 36. Uh, our featured guest is the artist Sandy Plunkett. Uh, after that, we'll be back to X-Men 55 and our featured guest for that episode will be Sam Humphreys. We've got a lot of great stuff coming forward. Uh, including a highly anticipated interview with uh, with uh, Tom Brevoort and we've got Luciana Vecchio coming up. There's some really fun stuff. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped. So uh, we'll see you all back here uh, next time on Grand Malkin Lane. Thank you for listening to Grand Malkin Lane. We hope you are enjoying this podcast. Grand Malkin Lane is produced and recorded in Salt Lake City, Utah, with music and editing done by my husband, Michael Bell, and promo art done by the incredible Seth Martell. Look for us on Patreon, where we are releasing weekly episodes about obscure characters and facts. Uh, it's a great way to participate with the podcast for only just a couple of dollars a month, and it helps support what we are doing here. Also, the best way you could help Grand Malkin Lane is by sharing and liking and subscribing, but also please leave us a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. We'll see you back here next time on Grand Malkin Lane.